Welcome to the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith, along with my co-host, Adam Stellman. And on today's episode, we'll be discussing week one of the 2022 NFL season. Adam, let's talk Seahawks. Yeah, let's. So we're recording this on a Friday, which means we've already seen the first game of the regular season, which was between the defending championship LA Rams and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, happy to say that the the Rams lost their season opener. So as of right now, the Seahawks are half a game up in the West. Hey, I'll take it. I mean, we're tied with two other teams, but as of right now, we are half a game up in the in the West. Uh, so, uh, so with that, let's talk a little bit about uh, about uh, what's happened between preseason and and this week. Uh, we've had about ten days since we last watched the Seahawks play. Uh, there's been a few moves, uh, a few roster moves. I don't think any huge surprises, but uh, what do we got? So there really haven't been a bunch of major signings. They did officially re-sign Justin Coleman, which we talked about happening during our 53-man roster episode. There is one thing of note. Uh, Seahawks did release a preliminary depth chart, which gives us a little look into what's going to happen. We also got captains that were named this week. Really, the only player to really watch is they signed a long snapper to the practice squad because Tyler Ott's been dealing with a shoulder injury, and he's actually been out of practice pretty much for most of the week. So this player could be a practice squad elevation for the game. It's not that big a deal unless this injury progresses. But I'd rather have the Pro Bowl snapper out there long snapping than somebody who we're not totally familiar with. Yeah, I mean, if this game goes the way that the media is kind of seeing it going, then I would say we're going to need a long snapper because we're probably going to be punting a few times. Um, hopefully, <laughs> the game doesn't go that bad for us. Um, because I think right now we're, we're uh, I think that uh, the Broncos are favored by 10 and a half. Is that what I, was that the last, the latest I saw? I saw six and a half. Oh, maybe it's either gone up or down since we last looked. Let me, let me pull up my finger. Either way, we are not projected to win this game. Uh, Brady Henderson uh, of the NFL or ESPN is he ESPN? He's ESPN. Uh, is the one out of out of all analysts that uh, predicted a Seahawks win? Hopefully, Brady's right. I mean, going into this game, I, I mean, now that we've kind of seen the fifty-three man roster, oh, we should mention uh, captains have been named for the team as well. Uh, I no no real surprises. I mean, they're, they're the veterans out there. We've got uh, Tyler Lockett was uh, named offensive team captain. I mean, he's pretty close to the most tenured person on our offense right now, so that no surprise there. Uh, also, uh, oh, go ahead. It's his it's his first time being named captain, which I think is is worthy of note. Is the same true for Diggs? Was Diggs because because uh, Quandre Diggs was named captain for the defense? Has he been captain before? I'm not sure, but I know Tyler Lockett. This was his first time. Well deserved, surely. Uh, and then special teams captain uh, is Nick Ballor. I don't think that shocks anybody. Um, we actually have four captains this year. In recent years, the Seahawks have rolled with three captains, but this year we have Tyler Lockett on offense, right? You already mentioned Quandre Diggs, but Al Woods is also a captain. Oh, that's right. I did for I thank you for mentioning. That. I did I did forget that those two were named co-captains on the defense, um, which again is significant. I mean, those are the two. I mean, as far as veterans go out there, I mean. Diggs is definitely the old man <laughs> in the secondary, and Woods would be the old man in the front seventh. So, uh, and the same with Lockett and Bellor. So, I think seniority and 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 uh, and obviously having those vets uh, take over those leadership roles now that there's been some big changes from this offseason, um, I think 
you know, it kind of went the way people thought they were thought it was going to go, or at least the way I thought it was going to go. Um, if I was a betting man, and I am, I would have put money on on certainly Lockett and Diggs being named captains. And, and when we knew that they were re-signing Nick Ballore, I assumed he would be a special teams captain again, which is good. He's he's been a great special been a great special teams captain, been a great special teams player for us. Uh, with the 50, any surprises for you on the initial uh, 53 man roster as far as starting goes? Because uh, we, we do know that both of our, our uh, offensive tackles, that are the freshman offensive tackles, have been named starters. That is true. Penny was named the starter. Uh, doesn't look like Kenneth Walker's going to play. I think that's, that's something of note. He has not practiced this week. Honestly, I don't want him to play. Let him heal up. It's his rookie season. Missing one game at the beginning is not going to derail any of the accolades he could earn this year. Just let him heal up and get on the field when his body is ready. Yeah, I think, you know, the Seahawks don't have a great history of of uh, starting rookie running backs uh, lasting a full season. So I am, yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. I think let him heal up. Uh, you know, let's let's see if Penny can pick up where he left off last year. We know we've got enough depth with, with Homer and Dallas that there's no reason to rush uh, Walker along. I don't think there's any surprises as far as the, the 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 starters named, but there is one thing on the offensive depth chart, at least the one that was initially released. We don't know if this is going to change. A uh, shout out to Corbin Smith, who uh, posted this uh, earlier in the week on Twitter. So thanks to him, we're, uh, we're able to get that out to the fans. One thing in the tight end, it says Will Disley or Noah Fant. So I think that means they're both starting, but they're starting in different packages. Yeah, and I think we, you know, we've talked a little bit about Shane Waldron's offense and and kind of having coming over from the Rams and what we think that's going to look like in year two. Um, and I think the the re-signing of uh, we've talked a little bit about re-signing Will Disley, and you know, we're not going to go back into the whole contract thing again. But noting that we've got these two rookie offensive tackles starting, we know that we're probably going to be having a lot of two and sometimes even three tight end sets or twelve man personnel just be the two tight end sets out there as our as our base starting offense. Um, we want to run the ball. So that's obviously the, the, the best package to be running the ball out of. You've got more block, lead blockers that way. But yeah, I, I, I did notice that too. And I thought that was a little interesting wording because I do think that's the only one where it was an either or uh, when it came to starters. Yes, that's true. There's some or language in the defense, but it's farther down the depth chart. Uh, just looking at the defense, I think this is exactly what we thought it was going to be at least in the front seven. We have Al Woods, Shelby Harris, and Puna Ford as that interior defensive line, uh, Nuosu and Taylor as our outside linebackers. Inside linebackers, we have Brooks and Barton. And then our safeties, we have Adams and Diggs. I think all of that is straight chalk from what people thought it was going to be. Our corners that are listed on this particular depth chart, we have Tariq Woolen and Michael Jackson as the starters. Yeah, there is a little bit of a surprise there. Uh, and I think that's probably down to Artie Burns not being 100%. We do not know if he's going to be ready to go for this game Monday. I do not expect to see him. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. I think him and Kenneth Walker are both going to be scratches for this game. Um, Sidney Jones had been practicing during this week, and I think there was a lot of thought that he would, might be ready to go for this game. Not being named the starter, at least in this initial depth chart, probably means he's not ready to go either. At least, At least that's what I got from it. Well, this depth chart came out, I want to say Wednesday. So the fact that he was a full practice participant on Friday, 
they play Monday, so chances are they're practicing Saturday. If he's full participant Friday and Saturday, and they like the way he looks, there's a good chance he will be starting. And I expect him to start opposite Tariq Woolen. So you, feel, you think he'll take Jackson's spot in the lineup if, if he does? I think so, but I don't. I think Jackson will get plenty of time. If uh, Sidney Jones is starting, I think they'll kind of rotate that side of the corner a little bit just to make sure they're not aggravating. I mean, I know it was a concussion, but just to make sure that he's getting plenty of rest time and uh, keeping everybody fresh. Would you be surprised to see them rotate from left to right as well? Do you, do you think Tariq Woolen's going to be out there on an island on that left side? And, and that's we're just going to like put him out there and see what he plays? Or do you think they'll move them around there as well, trying to get a feel for what side is best for these players? In the preseason, defensive schemes are pretty vanilla. So we don't really know what they're going to show us. And I think the Seahawks were very conservative in their play calling in the preseason. A lot of because they knew this Broncos game was coming up and they don't want to show too much. They know Russell Wilson. They know his deep ball accuracy. They know the kind of player he is. I don't think they wanted to give him any additional advantages by showing what we're going to do in the preseason. So because they know Russell Wilson so well, do you just expect them to just not worry about the middle of the field and just post safeties up on the edges then? Well, that does. If you look at the recent years, that would be the best defense against Russell Wilson is just put nobody in the middle of the field, everybody along the boundary and see what happens. Obviously, that's a joke. But we'll see. I want to see how Russell Wilson's input on this offense, which has been specifically tailored to him and by him, he has a lot of say. Let's see if he does throw in the middle because history tells us he's not as confident in the middle or down the seam. I mean, he's got the weapons to do it. I mean, I think if we look at just looking at the Broncos wide receivers, um, Jerry Judy definitely kind of lives in the middle of the field. I mean, he, you know, that's kind of where he is, his game is at, is that kind of mid, mid-depth mid game. Uh, and then he's got that breakaway speed to take along. Corlin Sutton is a little bit more of a deep threat. Um, Tim Patrick was the same way. Obviously, Tim Patrick's not going to be playing. Um, we haven't seen a ton of KJ Hamler over the years, so I don't know where that's going to be. Uh, but they do have their tight end, whose name I'm not even going to try. His first name's Albert, and I'll go with that. Their tight end, Albert, who kind of came on late last year and took over a lot of, or was actually out there for more snaps than Noah Fant as the season went on, um, is another guy that's, he's definitely more of a seam tight end. I mean, he'll be lined up against the, the tackle, and if he's if he's going to be going on routes, it'll be up that seam, which again, is not really Russell Wilson's strength, throwing in between the numbers there. Speaking of Russell Wilson, so I know I, I don't know about you. I, I mean, I'm on on social media, especially Twitter, enough. Do you, do you get the sense that there there's a little bit of negative energy uh, from the fans going to be kind of directed towards Wilson's way coming into this game? Well, you and I were talking about this earlier, and I think you brought up a good point when comparing legendary Seahawks sports, not Seahawks, legendary Seattle sports figures who have moved on from Seattle. So, if you wanted to. To broach that, I'll, I think I'll come back in. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to. I I'm not, I won't mention where I saw this, but I, I I'm not going to take credit for it. Like this is my own idea. But a lot of what I've been seeing out there is uh, is some some throwing around of comparing Russell Wilson to uh, to Alex Rodriguez, which I get to a certain degree. Um, I d- don't think that this is a, the same situation because uh, I d- this wasn't j- this wasn't a free agency thing. This wasn't he just went you know where the money was, um, like it was with a- with a Rod. Um, the other person that was being talked about is you know what the the question was is this going to be more like Ken Griffey's return to Seattle or Alex Rodriguez's t- return to Seattle? And while I do think that 
next to Ken Griffey Jr., Russell Wilson is probably the most iconic Seattle sports star in, in the history of the, the city. Um, so you would hope it was probably a little bit more on that side because of how how soon of a turnaround this is. Uh, I mean, you know, Russell was obviously traded in the offseason. It's been, what, four months, I think, since, since the trade was finalized. Um, so that's a pretty, I mean, that's a really, really short time. And so this is a very, this is a very new wound for a lot of, uh, of Seattle fans. So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of them would be geared towards uh, uh, booing or or, uh, or eschewing any kind of uh, praise for Russell Wilson coming back to, uh, um, I was going to call it Quest Field, <laughs> uh, to Lumen Field. So yeah, I do. I mean, I understand why people are going to be a little bit sore with this because he was just here and now he's coming back uh, and uh, and is going to be playing against us in our opening game. So yeah, I, I mean, I you know I, I'm sure that anybody that watched Pete Carroll's uh, press conference about this when he was asked, "What do you think the fans should do? Should they boo or cheer?" And his answer was, "Well, I always want to compete," which of course is a is a pretty <laughs> pretty tried and true Pete Carroll line. Uh, and he you know he wants it to be a competitive crowd. And if it's going to be a competitive crowd, then yeah, the idea would be to get Russell off of his game. And one of the ways you can do that is you know, by booing, making a lot of noise. I and mean, that's kind of what the 12s are known for at home. So uh, I would expect to see more more booing than cheering when Russell takes the field. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you brought up the comparison with Alex Rodriguez. If you remember, in that first game back after he went to Texas, Mariners fans were throwing Monopoly money out of the stands and it was raining down on the field like confetti. It was fantastic. I don't think there's going to be a Monopoly money confetti type moment when Russell Wilson comes back. What I think fans should do, though, is boo him at the beginning. So boo him when he comes on the field, boo him throughout the entire game. And when the final whistle blows, give him a standing ovation. Yeah, I'd love, I mean, that, that would be amazing to see that if there was just a, if there was just this big, like, light switch thing at the end of the game, and then all of a sudden people are holding up instead of, you know, Russ sucks, people are holding up, you know, we love you, Russ, thank you, Russ. That would be great. And and I think that would, that would play well in the media, and I think that would be a good, good sign for the city. Knowing as many Seahawks fans as I do, I don't see that happening. Yeah, in a perfect world, right? Right. Russell Wilson is a very emotional player. He is one of the most prepared players. However, he's very emotional. Once he gets a couple sacks, once he feels pressure a few times, if he makes a mistake on the field, it eats at him. He is not one of those ice in your veins, onto the next play kind of guys. So I think booing from the beloved Seahawks crowd will actually get to him a little bit. I think he's been preparing for it, but I think it's gonna get to him more than he knows. Especially the first time the offense goes out there and it's that deafening roar that we've come to know from Seahawks fans. He might forget what team he's on and try to quiet the crowd. I could see it happening. Oh, that would be oh, that would be great. I don't know if you've seen this. There's a video of, of Russ practicing in, in, in Mile High, and he he practice he's practicing his walkout. Um, this is a real video. This is Russell Wilson coming out of the, you know, coming out of the lockers onto the practice field, and he does his, you know, you know, we got and then he puts his hands out. Like he's high-fiving people running onto the practice field. 
It's a great video. Go watch it. Make fun of it because it definitely deserves it. Uh, that is the one thing I think I'm going to miss most about Russ is the videos he would post to social media that I could take major swipes at because he's such a nerd. And he is. He's a, he's a huge nerd. Um, but but yeah, I think uh, let's talk a little bit more about because we were. T I think with the point you were getting at is how do we get Russ off his game? How do we win this game? I think that's that's something we should talk about. Is how do the Seahawks come away week one with a with a W? So what I would do is make sure we get pressure on Russell Wilson. I think that's the number one priority. I'm talking extra blitzers off the edge, shifting coverage around. We, they need to get him moving. And not, I mean, he's good at that. So you don't want him to rely on it. But what you need is maybe an, an extra hit here or there. We need pressures. He needs to be thinking a little bit about what the defense is doing. I think that's the only way that we really have a chance defensively is to get him rattled early. Also, the offense needs to control the ball. The best way to beat Russell Wilson is to not have Russell Wilson on the field very long. Yeah, because I mean, look, there, there, you know, there's plenty of people since since Russ left that have come out of the woods, if you will, and and been, well, we never liked him all along, and he's not really an elite quarterback. Blah 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 blah. All those people, fine, I get it. You're a little bitter about him him going to a new team. I am too. We all are. Most of us probably wish that Russell Wilson was still here. I'm sure that's at the root of why you guys are saying those things. But the fact of the matter remains that Russ is a pretty fantastic quarterback, um, and. Like all quarter, like all fantastic quarterbacks, you have to get them off their game in order to win. I mean, look, you know, Tom Brady. What do they always say about Tom Brady? If you can get him to to have to leave the pocket, you can get in his head and you can win that game. Tom Brady doesn't like taking sacks. Russell Wilson doesn't like taking sacks either, and you wouldn't think that because he's taken so many. But um, I think if we're going to get him off his game we need to be creating blitzes up the middle. I think that's where Russ is going to have the most issues. Um, it's certainly where I think the, the offensive line for the Broncos is going to have the most issues. Um, Honestly, that feeds to the strength of the defense. Because if we can get a blitzing safety, a blitzing middle linebacker, or defensive line pressure up the middle, it forces him outside to our outside rush backers who all have good speed. Yeah, that's what that's what I want. I want to see a lot of A and B gap shoots from either Jamal Adams or Brooks or maybe Barton. I'm not really sure out of those two who's the better blitzer from a middle linebacker standpoint. I almost said Bobby because you know because of because of Bobby. Um, and I think uh, that's something Bobby did well. He didn't do it often, but when when uh, Bobby Wagner would blitz the quarterback, he would get to the quarterback, get pressure on the quarterback, and that's something I think we need to see again from this defense. Um, he did in the Rams game against Buffalo. Yeah, I didn't want to bring that up because I'm already hurting about the fact that he's. It, it was weird. It, I, I, let, let's go ahead and talk about this for a second. It, it was really weird seeing Bobby Wagner. I mean, it, it's. I don't know if anybody else is comic book fans. If you remember Superman and his 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 uh, clone Bizarro, that's what this looked like to me. This looked like Bizarro Bobby Wagner. First of all, he's wearing 45, which is just weird to see Bobby Wagner wear, and then being in a Rams uniform. Uh, it was like watching Bizarro Bobby, uh, and much like Bizarro Superman, he's got all the same strengths. I mean, he's still Bobby. The, the man made some play. I think he had seven or eight tackles. He had a tackle for a loss. He had a sack. I, Bobby, I, I do not look forward to playing the Rams this year at all. And I, I mean, I don't look forward to playing the Rams usually anyway, because Sean McVay seems to have our number now, but even more so this year, because we're going to have to see Bobby Wagner just terrorize our running backs and our quarterback. Um, and I think he's going to. I think he's going to do it to the league. 
Yeah, I think that's one player that when he comes into uh, Lumen Field will get a standing ovation and a well-deserved standing ovation. I will probably stand up in my living room and clap for him. Oh, he, and he deserves it. I mean, like you know, I you know, I, I I don't think we need to go in. We've done we did this a little bit on the last podcast where we kind of went in and talked about that juxtaposition, the difference between releasing Bobby Wagner and what and what his path was and what happened with Russell Wilson. Bobby didn't want to leave Seattle. Bobby, absolutely, and and still he he said in his post game press conference yesterday that he didn't want to leave Seattle. Um, he expected to be there for the, for his career. So yeah, I, I I mean I hope when Bobby comes back we give him a standing ovation. I also hope that that he you know rolls his ankle doing warm ups and doesn't play because I'd hate to see him put a hurting on Geno Smith or Kenneth Walker or Penny uh, or anyone else that he comes in contact with because Bobby's out for revenge when he comes back to Lumen Field for sure. I mean so is Russ to to a certain degree, which I think is funny. But um, but but, but getting back to the game, I mean we kind of know what we want to do. To, to, to win this game, what what do you think we're going to have trouble with? Our secondary is untested. We will have raw, inexperienced corners, and we're just going to hope that that safety play can help cover up any mistakes. And we have good safeties. We have all pro caliber safeties. So if anybody can kind of clean up mistakes, it's going to be those guys. So I think our key will be how those corners handle it on defense. And on offense, once again, it goes to another pair of young guys. It's going to be those rookie tackles. Can we keep the pressure off of Geno Smith? And can we establish clean running lanes in the run game? Yeah, that will be those will be matchups to watch because it's going to be interesting to see where they move Randy Gregory and uh, Bradley Chubb around on that line. Because yeah, because we I mean we're we're fairly solid in the center. I mean, uh, Austin Blythe is a is a decent center. He's not a great center, but he he knows how to. You know, call the protections, and he knows how to play his position and block his man. Uh, we've got we've got Gabe on one side, and and Damian Lewis, and they're they're both you know experienced guards. But yeah, at those at the tackle positions, we are going to be starting two rookie guys. Um, I think they're both solid, and I do think we're going to see some pancake blocks, especially uh, from the right side. But uh, but they're going to have their hands full. I mean, Randy Gregory, for all his baggage, is a decent pass rusher, and Bradley Chubb is also a very good pass rusher. You know, I mean, he, you know, he was out there with Vaughn Miller and, and he held his own. Um, yeah, I do think that's that's probably the biggest thing. I do also think scoring is going to be a problem. I mean, I, I'm fairly confident again in the run game. You know, not that the Broncos don't have a decent frontline defense. They do. But their strength is also in the secondary. Uh, but their strength uh, is more in their corners. I mean, you know, Patrick Sertan is, I think, probably going to be on DK Metcalf oh. the entire game. Guarantee it. Um, and yeah. And look, DK is an absolute freak of an athlete, and I would not bet against him in any one-on-one matchup. But I don't think he's going to get a lot of one-on-one matchups. I think they're going to have coverage either either over or, or under or both. I mean, he, we might see some triple teams on DK. I mean, I would not be surprised if he goes out for a route and there's a safety dog in him, a cornerback in his hip pocket, and a linebacker that's running out bet- between him and, and Gino to try and, you know, pick off anything that, that happens to be thrown short, um, which with Gino can happen. So I think scoring is going to be difficult to do in this game. That, that's going to be the thing that I, uh, I'm most worried about. I, I think our defense can can get to Russ and, and, and get him off his game and maybe keep the, keep the game close. Even if the Broncos only score 17 points, 
that's no guarantee of a Seahawks win in this case. I agree. Uh, of note, because you brought him up, Damian Lewis was out for most of the week. Uh, he has had a couple days where he was limited in practice. So we'll see if he's ready to go on Monday. He gets that extra day, which may just push him over. Otherwise, you're looking at Phil Haynes. Right. And I, I had forgotten about his uh, his fairly significant ankle injury um, when, I, when I was saying that. But, I mean, either way, I, I mean, either way, we have much more experience at that, you know, at those three uh, middle spots on the, along the offensive line than we do have the, on the edges. It's going to be fine whoever's out there. I would like to see Damian Lewis out there. Obviously, he's a more polished player. I like his skill set a little bit better. I think Phil Haynes will be fine if he's out there. For the Seahawks to win this game, I believe that the offense needs to score at least 24 points and the defense needs to steal a possession or two. Oh, we have to win the turnover game for sure. I, uh, you know, I, and, and I expect, and, you know, I, I hate to say this, I'm going to knock on wood right now. I expect the, our offense to turn the ball over at least once, maybe more than that. Hopefully not. But, but I agree. I think in order to win this game, to come away with that W, we're going to have to win this turnover battle. I mean, that's something that, you know, obviously is a, a big focus from Pete Carroll. I mean, it's all about the ball. And I think we have the guys that can make those plays. Man, I would love to see Boya Mafia get back there on, on a stunt and strip sack Russ and, and, and us get a turnover that way. I'd also like to see Jamal Adams get a sack and or an interception. I'd love to see Diggs pick, pick Russell off. Um, I mean, I'd love to see all these things. And if every single one of them happens, then we win this game. Um, if a couple of them happen, I think we win this game. But that is going to be the big thing. Can we can we create turnovers on defense? And can we manage the ball on offense? Uh, I mean, look, that's true for any game. You know, this is not some profound thing that I'm spouting here. But in this particular instance, I do think that that's the only path to the Seahawks winning. We have to we have to win the turnover battle, create those kind of plays on defense, and then we have to control the ball on offense. Like you were saying, the best way to beat Russ is to keep Russ off the field. Here it is. Prediction time. We're going to close with our predictions for the game. So Adam, give me final score. Oh, all right. I've been I've been I've been doing this all week. Um because I've been going back and forth. I mean, you I've got my heart in my head. I'm I'm, I'm because I'm 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 the pessimistic guy in this in this, in this scenario. <laughs> um I'm going to say that the final score is is 24-13 favoring the Broncos. Um, I hate to say it, but I, I, you know, I just didn't see enough from our offense to think that they can put up enough points to, to come away with a W in this game. I, I think it's going to come down to our defense making those plays. But yeah, I, if I had to predict, I, I, I'd say we get in the end zone once. Uh, hopefully it's a DK because he's on several of my fantasy teams. Um, but uh, I think points are going to be hard to come by. So we agree on one of those scores but I think the Seahawks will score 24 points and I'm calling the Broncos to score 21. So I have the upset. I have Seahawks over Broncos, 24-21. I, I certainly hope that you're right and I'm wrong. And with that, that's been our pre-game preview week one episode. We will be back for the recap of week one. Hope to get you next time. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.